Brewers down to their final out now. Now up to Christian Yelich. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up. Get up. Get out of here and go for Yelich. He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan How's it going, Brewers fans? We are back with another episode of the Ike Brewers podcast. Uh, this episode, we're going to be talking spring training. And I know it's unique circumstances right now where uh, certain things going on in the world have caused for spring training to halt. But there is a lot to be talked about in terms of what we're seeing from the Brewers, what we're seeing from the players, the prospects, the pitchers and the hitters. And we have a lot to talk about today. So we're going to cover it all. Um, stats games, forecasts. My name is KJ Eichstead and I'm here with my co-host Brian Weber. Brian, how's it going? It's going well. It's uh, good to be here. Talk with all of you, obviously, amidst all this chaos that's taking place before us, but no better way to soothe us in this moment than talking Brewers baseball, right? Exactly. It's good to, it'll be good to talk some baseball. So for those of you who don't know Brian, he's been following the Brewers since the Jeff Jenkins days, uh, way before this generation of fans saw the playoffs or much success at all. So um, we're excited to get you another episode of the Ike Brewers podcast. And if you don't already, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter, Ike Brewers. And also hit that subscribe button and give us a five-star review if you enjoy this podcast. Uh, it'll really help us grow and just put out more great Brewers content for you guys. So without further ado, let's kick this off. So we're talking spring training in this podcast, and I'm just going to pull up the standings. Once again, this is spring training, so we don't know exactly how much stock we should take into this, how much we should care, how much it means, uh, how much it'll translate. That's all up for debate. But an encouraging sign so far in spring training in the 17 games played by the Milwaukee Brewers is that they are 10 and 7. They're three games above 500. That's a win percentage of 588. Um, you know, they do have a negative 13 run differential. So it's kind of funny because it resembles last year's team for a lot of the season and, uh, 10 and seven record, Brian, that's, you know, towards the top of the, the cactus league, but does, does that, do you take anything from that whatsoever? I mean, it's always respectable to be playing well in spring training. Cause <clears throat> it's always a really good idea to see how the team's going to be playing together, even at the preliminaries process and seeing how the camaraderie is coming together, how management's going in terms of are they bringing the right prospects up and other things like that. But the 10-7 and 7 record is very optimistic for this team going forward. And you've seen some uh, younger guys get some good innings out there, and it's good to see players improving. That's all you can ask for in spring training. And I would, I would echo your 
thoughts in the sense that a winning culture is so important to just being successful in sports and sustaining success. So a lot of teams can have, you know, one great year where they have a lot of success, but they don't achieve that success in successive years. And the team that comes to mind for me is the Jacksonville Jaguars, where they bottomed out for so many years. They ended up rebuilding their defense. They finally made it to the um, the AFC Championship, and they ended up getting beat by the Patriots, I believe it mm-hmm. was. But they didn't have that strong culture where, as you see, you know, they're back to being a rebuilding team. And they were able to put it all together. The Stars were able to align for one season. But their culture didn't really let them carry over that winning mentality uh, to future seasons. Whereas if you look on the flip side, organizations like the New England Patriots, the Green Bay Packers, you know, even like the Milwaukee Bucks now, like these winning cultures are so important to just not only having success, but sustaining success and keeping these windows open for teams like Milwaukee Brewers who are in a small market. And having like a noble figure, that iconic player, coach, manager within your organization kind of sets the tone for that, like you were saying. Bucks with Giannis, Packers with Aaron Rodgers, Yankees got a couple of them mm-hmm. with Aaron Judge and the whole bunch of guys over there. I mean, that's kind of what you have to base your organization around is that one focal point, that one piece. Kind of like the Christian Yelich and that whole contract we just signed sets this team up for a lot wider of a range of error because they have that focal point, they have mm-hmm. that star, so they can kind of dwindle around a little bit more with prospects that may have been written off by other organizations. And spring training is just a perfect way every season to throw a wrench in the preseason rankings in terms of prospects. Guys can shoot up 50, 100 spots just like that based on one season of hitting 350 with 20 home runs. You'll shoot up the system. You might be the number one prospect just by next year. So that just touches base on all the things we've said prior about the Brewers and baseball in general. It's just so volatile. Yeah. Rankings can change just so quickly. Being the number one prospect, being the number one overall draft pick in baseball, you're not playing the first year. You could drop out to your organization and be a nobody just like that. Go look at the list of number one picks. There's some good ones, but... There's a lot of busts. There's a lot of busts. Yeah. There's more busts than there are stars in the league. That is for sure. And speaking to your point about like the tinkering and spring training being a great time for tinkering... That is something I didn't really consider, but I've always just taken for granted. And I really, the more I look into it, that's something that can benefit the Brewers more so than other teams because we have a GM like David Stearns. Plays chess. Who literally just plays chess. He's always, you know, looking in the deep data. like He's intellectually strong. He's not a money. He's not a guy who's just all about money and getting those big flashy players. Yeah. He's about putting those unique puzzle pieces together. Having that icon, that highlight, that feature player, but... It's having those great supplementary roles those, that really makes a team elite because you have to have guys that can buy into being the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, tenth best player. You have to yeah. have those guys with that mindset. Say, who knows, what if Bellinger, Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, and a couple of these guys don't hit it off and there's friction right away. It'll just crumble. Because you've got to have that ego, but you can't have four or five of the egos. It's good. That's a good point. Like the Brewers, you know, Yelly, he's got that quiet confidence about him. Braun's got like the savvy vet about him. Council as well. He's got the quiet confidence. We got Arcia. Hopefully he's got the swag. His hitting takes a step up this year because he has that swag. And I have a feeling if he can turn that swag into hitting and he gets on a roll and he finds that groove as an MLB hitter, give us 260, 270 perennially and Orlando Arcia can be a forefront at shortstop going forward. 
Yeah, so that's a perfect time to segue into, let's just talk about some hitters. And you mentioned it, Orlando Arcia has been tearing the cover off the ball this spring. I'm just going to read his stats real quick. 11 games, 27 at-bats. He has two doubles, five home runs. That's five home runs in 11 games. 12 RBIs. That's 12 RBIs in 11 games. 25 total bases. Only two strikeouts in 27 at-bats. That's very encouraging. And he's hitting 296. He's got a uh, slugging percentage of 926. And his OPS is 1.236. All while providing very, very, very good defense from the shortstop position. And Brian, this is only spring training. But if Orlando Arcia could even hit, you know, just 270 and maybe give us 20, 25 home runs, like, how important is that going to be to our club? I mean, he has the Francisco Francisco Lindor-esque feel about him the when swag. he's fielding. The way he looks, the way he carries himself on the field, even the way he dresses has the appeal of a star. And this is a great precursor for maybe maybe a little bit later in his career he's found something that's clicked. Because the two strikeouts to five home runs is an incredible ratio. That's two and a half home runs to every strikeout. And I know it's a that's limited insane. sample size, but 27 at-bats is... I believe it's third highest on the team, and he has the lowest amount of strikeouts for guys with 10 or more games played in spring training. So Orlando Arcia, there was a reason he was a top prospect. There's mm-hmm. a reason there was hype behind him, and he had a great start to when he first got called up. He had some home runs and showed that pop, and then had a year-and-a-half, two-year drought where the hitting might have been sporadic, but you still saw the flashes. The flashes have never left. So the key of baseball, like we've always been saying, consistency. And yeah. if Arcia can maybe find that, get rid of that little hitch in his swing and find the consistency in the stroke. I don't see any issues with him being a 270, 280 hitter. Get you maybe 20, 30 home runs. He can get maybe an all-star appearance or a couple down the road, and he's a gold glover. He's a gold glove talent. If he can get his hitting to be up a little bit more, kind of reminds me of the Elgelton Simmons situation that happened with the Braves a little bit a while ago. Elite fielder. Elite fielder, couldn't find the hitting. And then once he hit 280, 290, 300, where guys didn't even think it was possible, and all of the ranks of uh, recruiting and scouting for MLB. No one thought he was going to be able to find it. He found it, and he was a top prospect. And look at him. He's turned to a forefront of the position now. He's the probably the greatest defensive shortstop of all time. And I will say that this Orlando Arcia subject, which is kind of interesting we're talking about at first, it's actually my number one concern from spring training so far in terms of this whole start and stop the games where, once again, the global circumstances have caused the games to, to pause. And Orlando Garcia has been the single biggest bright spot in my eyes so far for the Brewers in spring training. And it looked like he was going to carry this hot streak into the regular season. Like the Brewers brought in some competition for uh, the shortstop position. Orlando Garcia is now a father. He's got maybe new motivations in his life. And he was poised for a really big breakout season. And I really hope that this pause doesn't, you know, stall that hot streak or stall that momentum if and when you know, when the season is picked back up. So um, do you have anything to add before we move on to Keston? Kind of like what you were saying, though, like being a father now and going into the whole world of being in that realm of looking over someone else, that can be a huge shadow and a huge weight on your shoulders for, I haven't even been through personally, but I wouldn't be shocked if that affected you for a year or two. For the better. For the better, officially, just to be more settled in life in general. Your mindset will be a little bit clear. You're not worrying about, is he going to be okay? Is she going to be okay? He's kind of getting things established. You're right. You're right. Just going through all the craziness that comes with year one of being a father, even getting that under the belt is going to make him more comfortable. We touched on this in the first podcast. 
comfort at the plate is how you hit 330. Like comfort at the plate is how you have a successful baseball season in which you fail so many times and still be successful. And he's still young and in baseball, a lot of the best players don't come to fruition in their best years till 25, 28 years old anyway. It's, it's crazy. It's a late developing sport, whereas within the NFL and the NBA, NBA is 18 years old. And I mean, you could convince me nowadays that if the NFL let guys play in the NFL age 18, 19 years old, there are guys out there that could probably do it. It may not be as effective as a rookie in the NBA, but I guarantee you there's rookie 18, 19-year-olds that could be out on that field nowadays too. Go look at Javen Kinlaw from South Carolina. Kid could have walked in the NFL from day one and been a star. So... It's just different in baseball because it's not all about the skill sets. It's about refinement in baseball. Absolutely. That's a huge thing. And that's something that kind of separates itself with how meticulous it is. Absolutely. So as we move on from Orlando Arcia, we could talk all day, but we're going to try and keep things relatively quickly moving for you guys. So Kesson here, another building block. Orlando Arcia is hopeful double play partner. Uh, we all know Kesson will be man in second base. He's had 25 at-bats. Three home runs, that's not bad. Two doubles. Uh, he's batting 360 with an 800 slugging percentage, giving him an OPS of 1.185. Once again, phenomenal numbers. I would not expect him to sustain that in the regular season, but long story short, is Kesson Harris facing some unrefined hitting, or sorry, unrefined pitching, like you said, in spring training, and he's proven that he's a professional hitter. He's, he's really annihilating just, it. He's annihilating it. He's showing that consistency pattern that you like to see. You don't want to see a guy hit 300 in the regular season against the big, big boys and then come into spring training and you're struggling hitting 220, 230. Does you know what that's going to lead to? Early season slump is going to be in his head. People might start chirping about him a little bit, but getting started off on the right note not only gives you a little bit more of a cushion to the beginning of the season, you're just a lot more ready. Confident, yeah. A lot more confident. Hit the ground running. Yeah, so so let's, um, you know, Kesson here, we know what we're going to get with him. Uh, I think everyone's pretty confident. Uh a positive spring training standout has been Logan Morrison. He's actually leads the Brewers team in at-bats. He's got 30 at-bats in 12 games, three home runs. It's a home run every 10 at-bats, seven RBIs. Um, he's got three walks. It's a walk every 10 at-bats. But his average is 300. His OP, or excuse me, his on-base percentage is 364. His slugging percentage is 600. And his OPS is 964. And this is kind of interesting, actually, because the Brewers picked up another first baseman um, by the name of Chad Spangberger. And he's actually having a solid spring training as well, where he's also, or he has two he's home runs. He's having spring training. Well, small sample size, 14 at-bats, but he's batting 429. He's, his OPS is 1.395, so here the Brewers are with two super hot first basemen kind of slugging it out in, first, uh, in the spring training. And I'm pretty sure Justin Smoke was brought in to get the majority of the at-bats. So it's just kind of like an exciting competition right now amongst the first basemen. Kind of of ironic they're uh, lighting a fire under Justin Smoke, huh? Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's what this does. So Justin Smoke. um, Because Spanberger and Morrison are kind of almost in the same situation in terms of maybe battling for that uh, second spot. Whereas Morrison probably has the upper hand with maybe some more uh, major league experience at this point. But Spanberger with a 429 and two home runs and 17 at bats is very, very optimistic. 14 to at say bats, the least. Because yeah. hopefully he can just keep in that carry in the triple A or double A ball and can always lead to a call up. And who at- knows, could make the early roster. Probably a long shot at this point, though, considering everything else. Yeah, I mean, it's these first basemen are tough to peg because you figure Smoke, given his money, he's probably a lock to make the team. But 
the Brewers outfield with Abisail Garcia, Ryan Braun, and, you know, Kane, Kane and Yelich, and you even have guys like Corey Ray and the minors. Like, the outfield is so stacked, Braun is probably going to have to play some first. That's what changes everything about the depth chart as well, is Brock and, Holt and Braun can play first. Chad Gallarco. There's so many guys that can play first. We have four guys, three guys that are interchangeable with Braun, Brock Holt, and Jed Gallarco. So, you're telling me not one of those guys is going to pan out, hit 285, and be a plus for this team? I'm going to put my odds in that being two of those guys. Because okay. having utility guys like that... It's big. It's really good for your mindset, too. Even with Ben Gamble, he's had the... My, ben Gamble? He's had success, too. Kind of... He's yes. honestly our Brock Holt. Like, it's kind of ironic that we brought in a Brock Holt because Ben Gamble was kind of our Brock Holt in, yeah. a, in a way. Didn't have that most prominent big role in the team, but every time he was out there, it's like you always saw a smile on a Brewers there's, fan's there's face. There's a chance that he could make something happen. He just had that little Dustin Pedroia edge to him where he thinks something cool could happen at a moment's notice. And it's great for a guy who's not an everyday player that can generate that type of spark in the beginning of the process. Absolutely. And going off that optimism from the first base platoon right now, Lorenzo Kane, the Brewers' big ticket free agent signing last offseason, um, or sorry, two offseasons ago now, he's had a few games. He had six games. He had 18 at bats, shake off some rust. Well, guess what, Brewers fans? He's averaging 389 with a 1.056 OPS. This is phenomenal news because it signals Lorenzo Kane's. Uh, nagging thumb wrist issues, his hand issues that kind of plagued him last year definitely affected his hitting. It's a sign that those nagging issues are behind him and he's poised to really get back to his career norm and just being not only a gold glove caliber outfielder, but a, but a great leadoff top of the order guy as well who can just make stuff happen. Very strong IQ guy up there. And if I'm going to take anything away from that, it's that Lorenzo just looks like he's ready to get back to being Lorenzo Kane. I mean, he's probably the best center fielder in the NL Central. I think everyone can come to a consensus on that pretty much. And um, it's just impressive to see him as he gets a little bit older. It just seems like he fits within the Brewer system, not as just a hitter, but in terms of his mentality and taking on that leadership role, whereas we have the Christian Yelich, big contract, obviously forefront of the MLB, one of the best players. It's almost like Lorenzo Cain takes part of that hat as well in terms of the team leader. Absolutely. Whereas like the hoo-hoo, rah-rah guy, Him which is Braun, awesome. Yeah. It's just an amazing addition to have a guy like Lorenzo Cain because you need grittiness. Baseball is the epitome of a sport where you always need grittiness. So. Well, I think if you look at guys like Braun and Cain, they're actually very unique in the sense that these guys are more on that old-school spectrum where they don't really have social media. Like Cain and Braun, they're not on Twitter. Um, I think Kane has an Instagram. I don't believe Braun is on any social media. Uh, rightly so. He would probably get a lot of criticism from crazy Cubs Father fans Braun, out there. Father Braun, who would have thought? Yep. And, um, but but Yelly is kind of a little bit like Giannis in the sense where he's growing into, you know, just uber talented, but growing into being a leader. And he's handling it very well. Like Giannis had a lot of uh, vets that came and went during his upbringing in the NBA. And then how, now we see him um, year seven really just – maturing into that leader and Yelly is he used to just be kind of a solid hitter like a really good hitter who who's just a great player but no one really even mentioned him as a leader and now he's really taken steps where he's where's Braun and Kane are a little bit of the old school and lead by example like Yelly's got the swag like he's like guys I'm gonna go up here and I'm gonna get us back in this game and the team in the dugout's like look if we have this guy in our lineup we can win this game every single game he's almost like a Giannis and Kawhi 
where he doesn't like to talk yeah. much at all. He just kind of does his business, goes about it. You don't know much about his off the field, what he does for like hobbies and things like that. He just likes to kind of be discreet about it, which probably makes it better as a player as well. Just no one kind of knowing exactly who you are as a person makes it hard for them to guess how to pitch to you, huh? I have no complaints. I'd, I'd rather him be a little more tame off the field. So, so last positive surprise for me from the hitting realm in spring training has been the performance of Mario Feliciano. And this is the Brewers minor league uh, hitter of the year last year. Um, he's a catcher. He is still coming through the minors, but he won MVP of double A, I believe. And in spring training, we brought him up. He's got 12 at-bats. And he's hitting 333 with a 500 slugging percentage. That gives him an OPS of 857. And that's just phenomenal news because it means the Brewers have a solid catching prospect coming up through the minors because we lost Yasmani. Um, we brought in, uh, you know, blanking on his name, blanking on his oh, name. Uh, Omar Neves. Seattle. Yeah, like the, the really strong hitter. Omar wow. Neves, yeah. Yeah, and, and so... Um, but he's not very good on defense. And Mauricio, uh, Mario Feliciano, um, based upon some scouting reports, he's a very strong hitter. Um, he's decent on defense, but they're saying that he might actually be benefiting from robot refs kind of working their, uh, working their way into the game in the sense where that'll, he's not the strongest pitch framer. And they're saying that that could benefit him. So once again... Uh, very, very promising offensive-minded catcher. And uh, Omar Navarez, that's Omar Navarez. Yeah, sorry, that's the name I was blanking on earlier. Um, but just again, catchers are very hard to find, whether it's Manny Pena, whether it's Yasmani Grandal, whether it's JT Aramuto for the Phillies, who they paid an arm and a leg to get. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a solid catcher coming up through the minors, and he's hitting well this spring training. So uh, just a name to keep an eye on. And maybe uh, one more positive from taking from our hitters in spring training that kind of goes off on its own little tangent is of three of our potential starters on day one, which is Arcia, Kesson Hira, and Lorenzo Cain, they all had ops of 1,000 during spring training, which is something might be false foreshadowing, but I say that's leading to good things for all three of those players. So maybe this layoff could take away, could make him a little bit better, but I think this is just a really good place in terms of some of our starting hitters going into the season. I agree. It's better to have those high, you know, averages, those high performances, those high OPSs than not have them. Get rid of some of those what-ifs. Get, if, get if rid anything, of a few of them. Just the confidence. All right, so let's quick transition to the pitchers. Um, we, did, we did a brief overview of the hitters in spring training for what it's worth. That's what we're covering in this podcast. Uh, spring training, so take it as you will, but... Let's talk some Brewers. So let's talk some Brewers pitchers in spring training. I'm going to start with the man who's really impressed me, Freddie Peralta. You know, he signed a very team-friendly con uh, contract extension. 12 innings pitched so far in spring, 15 strikeouts. That's an 11.3 strikeout per nine ratio. His whip is 1.00, which means he averages one base runner uh, per, per inning. And... That's phenomenal. If you know pitching, having a whip anywhere near one is phenomenal. Freddie Peralta looks like he's got his deal. He looks like he's got his money backed up, where in the coronavirus situation, he doesn't necessarily need to worry about where his finances are going to come from. Is his family going to be okay? He's already got that peace of mind. And, um, you know, it's kind of seems like he's getting a little more comfortable because of that. One name I really like that kind of stands out to me just based on um, 
his prior prospects when he was with the Cardinals is uh, Shelby Miller. I mean, yep. in four games played, he got 6.1 uh, innings of relief pitching and having a 1-1 ERA. Oh, sorry, 1-4-2. Sorry, I looked at the wrong number there. With a 9.9K9, which is pretty much 10Ks per nine. That's elite. That's more of the Shelby Miller that was a top 10 prospect in baseball that the Brewers have taken a chance on. That could be that flyer that might not lead into being necessarily elite right away, but maybe he's on the better prospects of being great again. Being an elite commodity to our team. Kind of like a change of scenery guy. um, Needs a... Needs a fresh start because he was one of these super tight prospects coming up, and David Stearns picked him up last year, and no one really made much of it. Yeah. But here he is, kind of been in the organization for a little while, probably getting a little more comfort level for him as well. He was um, a relevant name. He was, I think, second in their rotation at one point behind Wainwright. So you've seen the results in him. So why can't he get back there? I think we're all optimistic. I do think he'll be in the bullpen. Um, I think, you know, enough said given given our start. No, so if he gives us some bullpen work that's efficient, that's all you can ask for from a guy that a lot of people wrote off. Dial up the velocity, dial down how many pitches he throws, just kind of play to your strengths. Um, speaking of playing to your strengths, Brandon Woodruff, 10 innings pitched, 1.80 ERA, probably going to be the opening day starter. They actually interviewed him saying, uh, you know, what would this mean? They asked him, what would this mean? if you were to be the Brewers opening day starter and he, he just basically said it would mean the world. It would mean a ton. And it's something that he doesn't take lightly. And Brandon Woodruff, kind of like Kristen Yellich before him a little bit, is he's very mature. Like he's he's very talented. He's very young in MLB terms, but he's he's got a good head on his shoulders and he's having a phenomenal spring. Looks like he's poised to continue his great year last year. And the fact that he can hit the ball, not only okay, but probably one of the best hitting pitchers in baseball, I mean, didn't he hit a go-ahead home run last year? I believe he did. So, I mean, he's one of the better hitting pitchers in he, baseball, but he has to make his of an ace. Kershaw, like he hit that big. Yes, it was off of Clayton Kershaw, Kershaw to put himself up. I mean, think yeah. about that. Unbelievable hit. Um, Corbin Burns, a top prospect. We're talking about Shelby Miller as a top prospect. Corbin Burns was a top twenty-five prospect, and he had a phenomenal MLB debut coming out of the pen, struggled a little bit last year with the long ball, but here he is in spring training, 10 innings, 0.9 ERA, 13 strikeouts, that's 11.7 strikeouts per nine ratio, and a whip of 0.90. You cannot possibly ask for much more of Corbin Burns this spring training, and uh, I think my only hope with him is that he does figure it out as a starter. Um, I would love this guy to be kind of like a Josh Hader uh, from the right side in terms of a hybrid reliever that's you know strikes out tons of guys mows guys down multiple pitches he can go to high velocity but imagine if this guy could be a starter like he was in the minor leagues um that would really add a lot of war or really add a lot of value to this brewery squad going back to briefly touching upon that top 100 list where pitchers they just quantify those innings so so heavily so Mm -hmm. so we can get a starter to give us 200 innings Amazing stuff, whether it's Woody, whether it's Corbin Burns, I'll just do wonders with this team. And I was a major fan of Corbin Burns before uh, last year's struggles, but think about if we could get Brennan Woodruff, Adrian Hauser, and Corbin Burns all clicking on all cylinders. That's and the a starting three. three. That's a big three. Those are three youngins. Cheap. <laughs> who can develop into not just aces. Number twos. One and maybe twos. even number ones. And yeah. I think all those guys have that ceiling. And Corbin Burns has shown it at the MLB level in actual games. So I think Corbin Burns is kind of one of those negative flash in the pans where it was just, he had a bad year, 
had to humble himself, get back on track mentally. You always have to experience the lows to get better. And that's where some of the greatest can come from. So I truly believe Corbin Burns is going to be able to refine it this year and be a very prominent figure for the team. I think so too. I have a good feeling about Corbin. The stuff is just so good that anything can happen. His release, with his, picture, but... his motion, he's, everything about him is sick. It's tough to read it out of his hands. And it was just something mentally last year. Just that long ball. You know, I think this was back in April when he, got, he was getting shelled, but this was before we really knew that the baseballs were juiced, that the baseballs were changed. So it's like Corbin is probably wondering what the hell is going on himself. He's probably like, why am I giving up so many home runs all of a sudden? Well, Corbin, it wasn't just you. Uh, the baseballs were changed. They were juiced. So looking forward to another solid season from you. Looking forward to seeing what you put together. And one name to watch uh, before we move on to some of the quick hitters is Josh Lindblom. And this guy was signed out of Korea. He's actually had 10 innings pitched and 10 strikeouts so far in spring. So that's a nine strikeouts per, uh, per nine ratio, one strikeout an inning, just a very good indicator uh, for a pitcher's ability to miss bats and all in general just be effective so josh Lindblom, he's coming from korea coming back to america facing american hitters big league hitters uh minor leaguers major leaguers but he's making guys miss uh he's missing those bats and that's a positive indicator do you have anything that stands out to you about him before we it can almost be like the eric thames edition where yeah. you are getting kind of a magic hat and you don't know what's going to come out of it you don't know if it's going to be something truly great or if it's going to be something like, oh, we went for it and it didn't pan out. But with Thames, I think we could all agree that turned into not just a fan favorite, but he produced some memorable and important moments for the Brewers, without a doubt. So I don't know why Josh Lindblom cannot follow in the same footsteps as maybe our three, four, five starter because he's got a lengthy frame to him. I think that he could be a very good addition to the starting rotation. You know, it's very interesting how you bring up the Thames comparison because of the obvious reasons. But as you said that, I was thinking about every league in the world, whether it's soccer, whether it's basketball, NBA, NFL, uh, it's kind of like the cream of the crop makes it to the top league. And in baseball, the same thing happens. But the only difference in baseball with these other sports is that these top guys in the world, these Mike Trouts, these Christian Yelichs will still fail two out of every three times. And baseball is one of those sports where failure is just such a huge part of the sport in terms of you can fail seven times out of 10 and still make the Hall of Fame. Well, I really think that's favorable in terms of other leagues around the world translating to uh, other leagues better than they would maybe in like a basketball setting or like a football setting. For example, if you're playing basketball and you know, a gym in Bulgaria or something like that, and uh, you, you play basketball in the Staples Center versus LeBron and the Lakers, it's going to be a very high difference. But if you play a, a basketball game, or sorry, a baseball game, pitching to hitters in, you know, fastballs in the 90s, and they're trying to hit you, well, that's kind of the same as, not saying it's the, the exact same in a vacuum, but, it, but it's very similar to a guy in America throwing 90s and it's a fastball and you're trying to hit that or mm -hmm. a curveball and you're trying to hit that. And so that's why I'm optimistic about these guys like Thames and these guys like Lindblom is just because baseball, I'm not sure if there's any, how much research there is out there to back this up, but I do think it translates um, more accurately than, say, basketball or football would in a global sense, league to league. Definitely would agree with you because I think the dynamics of baseball are a lot more linear in terms of the playing fields, whereas with basketball and football, the intermediate levels and how different some of the rules can even be True. just impacts the game a lot differently. Whereas with baseball, 
it all pretty much is cohesive together no matter where you're playing it the rules are pretty much all the same more of an even playing field like you're saying and like the talent differences are really never all that much it's just the little things it's just having a little bit more refinement in your swing it's being a little bit more mentally strong it's being able to hit off speed after seeing a 95 mile power baseball fastball it's just things like that little meticulous things that change the good from the great to the bad to the really bad well and going off your point just like the athleticism factor versus the in the nba there are simply guys like Giannis who can just rise up and lebron who can and zion williamson and whoever you want to put out there as an example these guys who are simply at an advantage they can just rise up and put the ball in the basket Kawhi Leonard with his hands able to play defense you know like all these athletic attributes where if you compare that to a guy like Jose Altuve you know like like probably not the best thing to bring up right now JJ Redick you know like a guy who's playing basketball who doesn't have that athleticism that Giannis has so JJ Redick has to rely on his skill he has to rely on his skill of three-point shooting in football, there's literally guys like Chris Johnson, Calvin Johnson, Calvin Johnson, who can just speed past guys. Where it doesn't matter how good your skill set is as a cornerbacker, or linebacker, you might just not be able to jump as high or run as fast as you those guys. You just can't guys. do anything about six foot four. But in baseball, if we're talking about that athleticism factor, well, maybe a guy can like Chapman can come out and throw, you know, one hundred three, one hundred four, one hundred five. Um, but say a guy is above ath- uh, average in athletics and he can throw 100. Well, Major League Baseball hitters and probably even players in Korea can hit 100 on a yeah. basketball. It's crazy. If you're a professional, everyone can hit it. So it's like, where where else does your athleticism translate? Like, you really have to make contact on the ball to have your speed play. Um, if you're a pitcher, you know, you can maybe throw hard and maybe field your position a little better with your athleticism. But That's where the chest comes in. you got to be a step ahead of the batter, a step ahead of the pitcher. Baseball is so much more skill-based. Like yes. you were saying, it's very skill-based. Like there really are no cutting corners in terms of athleticism. Um, fascinating. Fascinating conversation. So, so let's quick move on. Uh, you mentioned Shelby Miller. I know a guy you're also very excited about is Adrian Hauser. How's he been doing this, this spring? Well, he's kind of carrying over from last season when he had that sub-3 ERA in the second half, and he kind of helped cultivate the Brewers to that playoff appearance. He was big. Minus the loss of Christian Yelich. So it's really positive to see Hauser following in the same footsteps with a 1-4-2, kind of like Shelby Miller in terms of ERA. Yep, he's also got a also got a 10 per K-9. So it's looking like he's following in those footsteps, and it's just good to see him growing and not kind of stalemating. It's seeing like he's still descending. Which is or a big ascending. Yeah. Yeah. Ascending. ascending. I just yeah. see a lot of promise for him to get better. I just don't see him bottoming out. I could see him having the potential of being an ace number two starter if he puts really? everything together. I really like Adrian Hauser's game. Okay. I, I I view Hauser like no knock on him, but I view him more as a mid rotation guy. But I was just gonna say, like, you know, we talk a lot about Freddie, Brandon Woodruff, and Corbin Burns. Well, Adrian Hauser's a guy who probably deserves to be in that conversation as well, and we just forget about him. Uh, he's doing well, like you said. Him and Shelby Miller are the exact same stats. They have both have one point four two ERAs. Both have nine point nine strikeouts per nine innings. It's kind of crazy how similar their stats are, to be honest. And uh, just, it's a good indicator. Like I'd rather have him have a one point four two ERA in spring than have like a ten point four two ERA. So, Josh, or sorry, Justin Grimm, kind of like a stealth pickup. He's doing well. He's he's got a one point five ERA, thirteen point five strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, you know, relieve it a watch. Maybe he'll make the squad. Maybe he he'll start the year in the minors. But his WHIP is point eight three. That's very encouraging. Uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see if this guy makes an impact from day one. With uh, he makes an impact in June, 
um, when the season does get started. Uh, I'm using like normal season terms, but I was gonna say like August, September. Uh, just another promising arm in spring is having some success. Eric Lauer, name that the Brewers brought back in the Zach Davies deal uh, and the Trent Grisham deal, he's having a 1.69 ERA with 15.2 strikeouts a, per nine innings. He's a player for the rotation. Like, he is in play for a starting spot on this team because he has been phenomenal, and there's been a lot of hype around him ever since coming up from that Seattle trade. Absolutely. Eric Lauer is just one of these guys who you hope he stays healthy because he's a guy that Brewers fans haven't seen a lot of, but very promising, very promising spring. Wish him all the best. Uh, in terms of health and performance. Alex Claudio, a name that not many people are talking about. Well, guess what? He's had a 0.00 ERA with 10.8 strikeouts per nine innings. He's just going out there and getting his job done. A very focused guy. Uh, his whip is 0.80. So that means he's allowed, I believe, one, or sorry, four base runners in five innings. Just tremendous work from a reliever. Those guys are so volatile. You never know if this will translate, but very strong indicator. Phil Bickford, I don't know if any Brewers fans remember him, but he was actually the return in the Will Smith trade that sent Will Smith to San Francisco Giants a few years back. Phil Bickford ended up being a decent prospect who I believe he got suspended for smoking marijuana. Um, and he's having a tremendous spring, so it's kind of like a little bit of a career setback, but he's having a great spring. He's got a 0.00 ERA seven strikeouts and 11 total outs with zero base runners. So this guy is just dialed in. He's carving up the competition. And last but not least, your boy, Angel Fidomo, 0.0 ERA with 10 strikeouts and 12 total outs. That is mind boggling. That is a strikeout per nine rating of 22.5. I think it's pretty fair to say that he won't be keeping that up, but he has 10 strikeouts in four innings, and he's got a whip of 0.75, which means he's allowed three base runners in four innings. This guy's looking like he, uh, you know, he, he's going to contribute this year, be a pretty big part of our pen. So, so those names are just listed. Um, you know, any names that stand out to you? Any guys you want a quick touch on? Kind of just more about Angel Perdomo. I mean, he kind of has the potential to give a spark to the whole team and maybe the community because he kind of just has that feeling of being a big-time relief pitcher, if not a starting pitcher down the road because he has the stuff to mow down, guys. And 22.5 um, K per nine right now might be unrealistic, but the 10 to 15 range is completely realistic for this yeah. guy. So with how strong our bullpen is, in my opinion, and how it will be this season, he could not only be an elite addition to the team in the second half, maybe early part of the season, but there's the potential he could turn into a starter down the road, which is a really good option for Angel Perdomo, not just being a guy who can mow down guys with the power, but there could be longevity behind it as well. I love that because guess what? He is 6'6", and he's only 25 years old. He's got some upside there. Exactly. He's got some upside there. So, so that's going to do it, everybody. Um, Actually, one last question. One last question before we wrap up this. Brian, how much does spring training actually matter? And how much does it matter in a time where you start spring training and certain global circumstances force the entire sport to pause spring training? So, so when the season does get started up again, these stats, there's going to be a period of rest afterwards. There's a long offseason beforehand. How much should we care about these stats? Do they actually matter? 
Uh, real quick before we wrap up, what are your thoughts? I think we should um, take any of the results, the statistics you find in spring training, and kind of put maybe an asterisk or take it with a grain of salt because the competition is definitely not in the same playing field as when you're during the regular season. But it's no. always a great way to see how your organization is trending in terms of your batters, your pitchers, your fielding. Like I kind of said earlier, with your management and how everything's going together, are people meshing well? Are we having any on or off the field issues in the preliminary part of the season? Which can be a foreshadowing thing to what's going to be happening going forward. But with the Brewers, from everything that's taken place this offseason, with the craziness of everything being shut down right now and them having to be sent home, I think there was a lot more positives to take away from this team in spring training than there were negatives. So when the season does resume, I'm excited to see what our Milwaukee Brewers can do. Exactly. Once again, these are spring training stats. Uh, in years past, they didn't really matter very much. but um, And this year, they probably matter even less than years past. But they do give you a fresh look, like a recent look at the team. It's about the eye test. It's about kind of shaking off the rust, seeing how guys' arms are doing, what their velocity is looking like, what their range is looking like in the field. Uh, just just kind of some recent tape and uh, much more productive to look at the positives that come from it than the negatives. And luckily, there have been a lot of positives for the Brewers in this spring training. Um, so that's going to wrap it up. Uh, this has been our spring training podcast. And we just want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. I want to thank Brian for coming on. Brian, thanks again. Thank you as always, everybody. Um, just stay safe at home, enjoy the podcast, and we can't wait to get more Brewers content to you as soon as possible. Absolutely. So if you guys haven't already, make sure to subscribe and give us a positive review on the podcast. Uh, rate it five stars. Write something nice that will hopefully encourage other Brewers fans to listen because that's how we grow and that's how we can give you guys even more Brewers content. Uh, we love this team. We love studying this team, going in-depth on this team surface level stats that everybody can understand advanced stats that maybe the more uh, baseball savvy um you know fans uh, we really just want to cover it all here for you guys and we want to cover it all um in an exciting optimistic way because there's a lot to be excited and optimistic about with this team we have an mvp candidate to build around he's locked up he's not going anywhere we have strong management tremendous versatility an amazing ballpark a phenomenal fan base we have tailgating we have beer we have the brewers uh, be sure to check us out on twitter ike underscore brewers and until next time brewers fans we out